Hey, boo, and welcome back to another episode of Financially Abundant. I'm your host, Denai Hopkins, and I am so excited and grateful to be here today on this platform, sharing my journey to being debt-free so I can start building wealth. So let's get into it. another episode and happy Thursday. I hope you all are having a good week because I am. It's definitely been a good week and I know some of us were actually off on work on Monday because it was a holiday and honestly having a four-day work week just really makes the time or the week go by faster (laughs) like I love four-day work weeks but for those who didn't have Monday off I am so sorry but one more day y'all and then it's gonna be Friday. And then you can let your hair down, kick back, relax, and just have a good weekend. (laughs) But before we jump into today's episode, I actually have a few updates for you guys um, regarding the show. So from now on, Financially Abundant will be available on Thursdays from this day moving forward. It just works better for my schedule. So no more Wednesdays. The show will be available on Thursdays at 8 a.m. Central Standard Time. Also, your girl is now on Spotify. Yes, your girl is on Spotify. We're on to bigger and better things this year, honey. So, yes, it was actually like one of my goals this year was to be able to stream on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the fact that I already like crossed off that goal of mine, like I'm just so, so happy. So, you know, we getting the message out there. We spreading the love and you can stream it on Apple and Spotify. And so finally, um, I have a couple of debt update amounts. I won't go too into detail, but, and I'll make sure I go in at it to next week's episode, but I just wanna say that my car balance is at 1150, so 11,500, so super excited about that. The goal is to pay that off by the end of the year. And then also my credit score has it's junk. (laughs) Like I don't even have a word for it. Back in late November, early December, my score was about, my score was 676. And when I checked last week, it is a 730, y'all. We are in the 700 club and not just the low 700s. We in the middle, like 24 points and I got a 750. Who ain't got good credit? (laughs) (laughs) but I'm so excited. I'm super, super excited because it's just going to show like the hard work is paying off. Like, like I've always said, this journey, it, it can, you know, be trying. You just feel like, oh my gosh, like I'm doing all this and I'm not seeing like the fruits of my labor, but trust me, it, the fruits of your labor are paying off and you will start to see that. So I'm really excited about that. 
So like I said, next week, we're going to go more into that, just about like a couple of debt updates, because what I want to start doing is at the beginning of the month and at the end of the month, tell you guys my goals and then follow up with them at the end of the month, just to make sure that I'm constantly like in alignment to my goals and things that I want to accomplish, not only for my personal life, but for the show, for you all that is out there listening and everything, because like I came across a video last week and it was about a 15-3 a rule that helps boost your credit score and attack debt faster and I definitely want to go more into that about that as we're starting like a new month we're slowly ending like the first quarter of the year like I cannot believe it's March already so definitely look forward to next week's episode as I give you guys like the actual debt amount numbers etc cetera, etc cetera. and finally I just want to say one more thing this season in my life is definitely walking by faith and not by sight. The new year did not start off too great for me. And I'll tell you guys, you know, more of that information when it's time to speak on it. But right now I am really going through a transformation in my life. Like that's the best word to put it. Transformation. Like God is really, really, really heavy on the really, <laughs> really refining me right now. And of course, we all want refinement, but on our own terms. We don't want God to intervene like we say we do. But when God is making you sit down, when he's making you sit in your mess, when he is gracefully breaking you to build you back up, and he's taking things away to see if you trust him like you say you do, it is really, really tough. But I know that this refinement is for my good because I really need God to change my heart, to change my mindset so I can become the best version of myself for myself. So all I'm going to say is if you are going through a similar situation and can relate when you feel like, okay, God, like what is going on? Just know you are not alone and that the best is yet to come. So stay positive and know that this is not for your destruction. It is for your refinement. And with that, we're going to jump into today's episode about the history of Black Wall Street and why it is so important as we go into our final days of Black History Month. So let's get into it. It's funny because growing up, I never heard of Black Wall Street, and it definitely was not taught in schools, like, at all, especially the school I went to. Like, I went to an all-girl Catholic high school, so they definitely wasn't teaching us about Black Wall Street. But anyway, it wasn't up until college that I first heard someone mention Black Wall Street. And you know how, like, when you're in a group of people and someone mention, mentions, like, a topic or a subject, and everybody in the group just be co-signing like, oh, yeah, like, da-da-da, woo-woo. And then they ask you, like, Dana, what's your opinion? And you don't want to sound ignorant on the topic, especially because it has to do with your history. It literally has the word Black Wall Street in it. So you just say, well, to piggyback off of what so-and-so said, and then you just make something up based off of the people in front of you answers like, yeah, that was me when I first heard about Black Wall Street. <laughs> and don't laugh and don't act like you ain't never did it before because I know y'all don't be paying attention in y'all work meetings. And when they call on your name, you do the same thing, like to piggyback off of what X said, like blah, 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 da, da, da. Like <laughs> we have all been there before. 
But I feel, especially because it is Black History Month, and it is the last Thursday of the month that we talk about such a pivotal moment in Black history. This story needs to be shared more, especially in today's age where entrepreneurship and you know having multiple streams of income is important. And we're currently in those spaces as Black people. It's important that we know our history. We know our history like we know about really what it means to really build generational wealth what it means to really build and leave a legacy. So it's important that we have our finances together. It's important that we understand how our money works because our people built something out of nothing and grew a community to what we know as Black Wall Street. So it's so important that we don't forget our history, our roots, because this travesty could have been prevented. But like I said, this is a story that needs to be talked about and to be shared more because this was an example of what we can really do when we work together and have good, genuine intentions and want to see the next person succeed and not get jealous or, you know, grow hatred because we think if we put somebody on, they're going to do better than us. Like, no, this is why this story is so important. So if you've never heard of Black, Rock, Black Wall Street or you just vaguely know the details like I did a couple years ago, Buckle up, because we're going to take a trip down memory lane. Envision this. Tulsa, Oklahoma economy began to see rapid growth in the late 1800s, early 1900s, when several oil industry companies agreed and established their headquarters there. It earned its nickname as the oil capital of the world. Within this thriving community, a neighborhood born of both Jim Crow segregation and the booming wealth of Tulsa existed near downtown Tulsa, and that neighborhood was called Greenwood District. According to my research, Greenwood District became of what we know as Black Wall Street when O.W. Gurley, I hope I am pronouncing his name right, Gurley, it's G-U-R-L-E-Y, uh, O.W. Gurley, a wealthy but well-connected African-American landowner, purchased 40 acres of land, which was to only be sold by um, coloreds. O.W. is originally from Huntsville, Alabama, but in 1905, he sold his store and land back in Alabama and moved to the oil boom town, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And you all know the deep-rooted history that happened during this time period and why certain things were in place to keep us segregated. But one thing about us as Black people we leaving here with something, <laughs> okay? We gonna get y'all leftovers and turn it into gold, okay? Like, if you Google the definition of resilience, it is gonna be our face. Like, God put that in us, and y'all can never take that away. But if you're curious, like me, to know how big 40 acres of land is, don't worry, I got you. 40 acres of land is about 1,742,400 square feet. So about three-fourths of a mile. And to break it down even further, it's about 10,880 parking spaces. So 40 acres is really big and it's big enough to start a business or, you know, sit on a land or whatever you want to do with it. But 40 acres is huge. And especially back in the day for a black man to purchase 40 acres of land because they thought, oh, this just little land. We don't need this. And he turned that into Black Wall Street. You can't tell me what we can't do. Anyway, back to the story. So Gurley began to turn that land around and started building businesses. He was a businessman. He was an entrepreneur. And the first thing he built was a rooming house. So a rooming house is basically like a multi-tenant, multi-room that you can rent out, lease, et cetera. 
and it was located near the end of the railroad tracks, so it was perfect placement, right? Where the rooming was, where the rooming house was located on the tracks, the road where the rooming house was located was called Greenwood Avenue, which is named after a city of Mississippi. So named after a city in Mississippi. So that's how it grew to the name of Greenwood District. This area started becoming very popular amongst black migrants fleeing the oppression in Mississippi. They would find safety and protection in his building and he would let them, you know, get on their feet. And then they would, sometimes he would offer like monetary loans for people to start businesses, but they kept the money in the neighborhood. They kept pouring back into the community. They would tell a friend to tell a friend because y'all know we can't hold water. And by 1920, the Greenwood District, also known as Black Wall Street, grew from just OW to 11,000 people. And Greenwood is so important. So Greenwood District and Black Wall Street is so important because it just became increasingly self-sufficient and catered toward everything we need in one place not having anxiety or being afraid when you leave the house or making sure you don't do anything wrong. You're constantly on your P's and Q's because you wanna make sure you get home safe. Greenwood District was our safe space. It had and still has a very special place in our heart. Like I said, by 1920, the population grew to over 11,000 people. You had a variety of Black-owned businesses, theaters, schools, hospitals, a public library, like everything you can ever imagine was in this community. And it expanded from that one rooming house on Greenwood Avenue to 35 blocks. Look at God, like that is so amazing. And it was booming. Um, there was a great distribution of wealth among its upper and middle classes. And I could just picture it now like, Greenwood place, like the kids say, was lit. Like, it was the place to be. Like, why are you not in Greenwood? Like, come on down. Like, we having a time. So, yeah, that was Black Wall Street is what we know of. That's what we know as. Black people supported each other, which allowed for easier accesses to resources, saving, housing, jobs, education, health, etc. Like I said, it was just one of the many thriving black communities in the U.S. at the time. But also don't forget about Bronzeville and Chicago. Hey, Harlem, et cetera. Like you had many of these black communities um, just thriving in the U.S. throughout that time. But of course, as Black Wall Street thrived and grew, so did greed in the oil industry. Before Black Wall Street was established, in 1897, Oklahoma got its first oil well, and this oil well contributed to the economic wealth and stability in Oklahoma during the Great Depression. So that's why many companies and people began migrating to Oklahoma for a new, fresh start. Of course, with the oil industry, with the oil discovery booming, Black people took advantage of this economic opportunity to, like I said, thrive and create their own businesses because we weren't allowed to shop at, at white-owned stores, businesses, receive adequate health care, heck, even go to the movies. So we decided to build our own and pour back into our community. It was beautiful. But as you can imagine, this did not sit well with some people with the outsiders, with the haters, and they begin to become envious and jealous. And y'all know why. How dare these black people move down here and create something out of the scraps that we gave them? You notice what they were thinking. So from 1906 into 1921, 
Tulsa, Oklahoma, Black Wall Street, Greenwood District was a cultural mecca for a little over 15 years when the first business was established. It expanded 35 blocks, but on May 31st, 1921, that was the day that will forever be ingrained in our memory. On May 31st, 1921, a bogus, bogus, bogus <laughs> accusation from a non-POC ignited the match to allow people from outside of the community to come and destroy Black Wall Street. They were already upset and began growing hatred and resentment of the thriving Black community. They started spreading rumors and lies and accusing them of crimes they did not commit. They wanted to bring down Black communities one by one because they were upset and they felt that we did not deserve this. This bogus accusation riled up rioters, the police, and the three-letter word. Y'all know the letter between J and L? Yeah, that three-letter word. And I'm not going to say it on the show, but you know what I'm talking about. This bogus, this bogus accusation made them loot, burn, and kill us, burn our businesses, homes, schools, church, the hospital, the hotel, the public library, and more. And in just 16 hours from when the riots began, because we were fighting back, we were not going down without a fight. But in just 16 hours of the riots began, police had arrested 60% of the black residents living in Black Wall Street, resulting in nearly 300 deaths and counting $1.8 million worth of damages, which is today's total about $15 million, and 10,000 people were left misplaced and homeless in just 16 hours. All of Greenwood District became engulfed in dark smoke as the mob went from house to house, store to store, looting and torching buildings. Some of us were even killed and shot down in the streets. By noon, Oklahoma governor at the time declared martial law and sent in the National Guard, arresting and detaining thousands of Black Tulsans, deeming them as the threat when we know who the real threat was. We were just defending ourselves. Instead of them being arrested, we got arrested for simply just trying to save what we created. To this day, this incident stands as one of the most horrific acts of racial violence and domestic terrorism ever committed on American soil. We tried to rebuild back what we had, what we had lost, but of course the government didn't make it easy, they made it nearly impossible to rebuild. Because why would they? They destroyed it. They're not gonna help us rebuild at all. They don't wanna see us be successful. It was one of the largest massacres of black citizens in America. And this is why we must never forget this story. Yeah, sorry to, you know, get a little deep on this Thursday, but like I said, this story must be told. And the reason why I told this story, especially as we're ending Black History Month, is because it is so important not to forget the pride and opportunity that Black Wall Street awarded African-Americans. We worked hard, we built a strong community, and we supported each other. Circulating Black dollars within our community and doing business with one another is and still is critical 
for our community's financial and economic growth and strength. Can we change the past? No. But we have more than enough opportunities today to create a legacy, to really create a legacy, to create generational wealth, to break generational curses. We have more than enough resources now than we did back then to educate ourselves on our finances. While Black Wall Street can't be recreated, it's important to unpack its lasting effect and how we can close the racial wealth gap. Because they don't want us to win. They don't want us to succeed. But like I said, one thing about us as Black people, we have resilience. And if you tell us no, okay, bet. I'm gonna go somewhere else. Or I'm gonna create their own space. And I'm gonna do my own thing. Black women, are the world's biggest entrepreneurs. And so, and black men follow up with that. I love seeing black people getting into real estate, doing investing, talking about their finances, talking about their journey to being debt free. Like I love seeing this and it's so important that we, we put action behind the things that we say we're gonna do. Proverbs 13, 22 says, a good man leaves behind an inheritance to his children. But I have to say, we must, do this thing, this financial thing with integrity. <sighs> Y'all gonna be mad at me, but I gotta say it. We can't, keep, we can't keep cracking cards, scamming, praying that we win a lottery, doing tax write-offs on Super Bowl tickets. Like, is it fun in the moment? Absolutely. But is it long-term stability? No. We have to take it back to the basics and educate ourselves on this topic. And I'm only a source, but there's so much information and we just have to put the work in and change our mindset. If I can watch a 45 minute YouTube video on how to do my hair and learn how to do my own silk press or my own DIY lash extensions, I can definitely read a book for 45 minutes on how to make my money, how to make my money work for me and how to really implement what I'm reading and take it back and change my actions, my mindset and the way that I'm doing things. We have to manage our household finances, such as budgeting, planning, and monitoring short-term savings and long-term savings. We have to learn about investing. I'm just tired. I like. I really reached a point in my life where I'm just tired of being anxious and stressed, depressed, nervous when it came to money. And I don't want to live like that because that's not living. We were not taught this in school. They don't even want to teach us this now. They make books very complicated and hard to read. And so that's why, like, when I get on the show, I make sure I break everything down so we can all understand because they don't want us to succeed. They don't want us to tap into really creating generational wealth and really building a legacy in a community like we did back in the day. I just can't keep living like this, like, it's, it's time for a change and we only get one life and I'm trying to live this thing called life and not let it whip my butt, not no more. Tax season is among us. Instead of buying yourself something new or going out to dinner just to flex and fly, budget properly like I mentioned in last week's episode, pay off some debt, put some money into a high yield savings account, invest in a REIT, which stands for Real Estate Investment Trust investment trust, which is basically how you can get started going into real estate. It makes it possible for people like us to earn dividends from real estate investments without having to buy, manage, or finance any properties themselves. 
you know, definitely do your research on REITs. It stands for Real Estate Investment Trust. But things, these are the things that they're not telling us about that when I learn this, I bring it to you all. These are just ideas, like I said, but it's really time to put our actions, it's really time to make sure that our actions are in alignment with our dreams. We can't keep doing things that don't make no sense for the dreams that we have. We're not in alignment. And I don't want to continue to be out of alignment. So I know I just went on like a little spiel, but I'm just so passionate about like not only finances, but us as black people. Like I I want us to thrive. Like I want us to all win. Like I want us to all to get it together, <laughs> if that makes any sense. So with that being said, let's end today's episode in prayer like we always do. Because I just, I gave you guys a long show and y'all know me. I don't want to make it too long. So we're going to end it. And I could talk, like I could talk to a tree. (laughs) But we're going to end today's episode in prayer like we always do. So repeat after me. God, help us to remember your story about the parable of the three servants when it comes to hesitancy around finances. Your word says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you more responsibilities. I pray that you release all forms of hesitancy over our finances, everyone who's listening to this show, and let us work alongside you so we can do this journey your way. Amen. I love you all so much, and I thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode about Black Wall Street. Remember this story and tell this story. Like, this is a sense of hope determination and what we can do when we put our mind to anything if you like today's episode make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend and share the show i encourage you all from this day moving forward that our actions are in alignment with our dreams whatever dream that is that you're taking the necessary steps to do what you need to do now so our latter days can be greater focus on you to become the best version of yourselves and the best version of yourself in a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, we can look at ourselves with joy, peace, happiness, and much more so that our inner child is screaming and clapping because those dark days are over. I love you all, and I hope you all have such a great weekend. And don't forget to tune into next week's episode. Y'all have a good day. Talk soon. Bye. It keeps bringing me joy Each new place that I see It keeps bringing me joy Blessings falling down on me.